Hey guys, we're here in our Sydney office with you with me filming our first ever Sydney podcast. We've got two really great hosts with me today, Tom Larder, Scott Howe. How are you going guys? Good, thanks. G'day Jess. I'm really excited to have a chat today. We've got some good topics to go over. Um, All things mentorship, mental resilience. Both of you guys have some great stories to tell, so we'll get straight into it. Uh, Tom, Army background, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so I was was in the Australian Army for 13 years. I was an infantry officer. Um, I left straight from school, wanted to, wanted to serve the country, you know, wanted a challenge and wanted to learn how to be a leader and the army seemed like an obvious choice for that. So I jumped straight in and I, I never looked back. I loved sort of every second of it, deployed overseas, you know, lots of training internationally around the world and uh, I had a really, really good time. And was that always what your thought was sort of from school? Like were you like, yep, army's my thing or was it just something that sort of popped up? Yeah, it's funny. So I don't have any... Uh, any family lineage in the in the military at all but I remember in maybe year 11 year 12 I had a couple of pretty strong uh, male role models at the school I was at and they sort of said hey you don't really know what you want to do but you've always liked adventure you've always been you know played lots of sport you've been team captains you're a bit of a natural leader maybe maybe the military would be a good training ground for you and you might like it and I started to look into it and that's where it came from jump straight in what about you Scott uh, so I was in the UK commando forces um, and I joined because I was running away from home. <laughs> so um, um, although my, my dad and, and his dad were both military guys, um, it was just me getting out of the, out of the way, you know, um, sort of a bit of a, um, a mentally abusive uh, home and, uh, and I just couldn't handle that anymore. So I thought, well, let's do a bit of a delay tactic and go and put my hand up for something I was going to fail and then kept passing everything. So 18 years later, I uh, popped out the other end as, a, as an officer. So, um, yeah, it was great fun. It was, uh, like, like Tom said, lots of adventure um, overseas. You know, I think I deployed to um, somewhere in the region of about 50 countries, um, which was fantastic. I feel like the opportunities that sort of come for you guys, like I'm not defence background myself, but speaking to them every day, it's sort of that same situation. They join, they have no idea what they're in for, and then they come back with these amazing experiences and, and they get all these life skills that they, you know, they never probably thought they would have got unless they were in the military. So um, I think a lot of guys can sort of relate to that sort of situation. Yeah, I think you're right, you know, like, but I don't think that's synonymous just to the military. I think a lot of people don't know what they want to do when they're young, right? So you've got to pick something and sort of throw yourself at it and... You know, we just happened to choose the military and, and, and have a crack at that, and it turned out to be pretty good. Well, the, the system's so flawed, though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, at the age of 13, um, you know, my kids had to decide what exams they were going to take, what subjects they were going to pick, what do they know? And then off the back of that, you take those exams, and then you go, right, I now down, down select to another one. And you go, it's, you know, and it's happening so early, you know nothing about yourself. Mm. Um, I mean, I've been an advocate for a while now of, of um, national service, not as it used to be. You know, you don't have to go straight into the military, but military could be one arm. You could have local government, you know, hospitals, you know, education, whatever, to actually help out. And, and you have, you know, six months in each of those sort of areas to learn a bit more about yourself and other people. You know, grow up and learn about yourself. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think you've got to get into the workforce as fast as you can. You know, um, universities and long-term education, lifelong learning will always be there. But you can't. What you will learn jumping straight into something is, is far greater. Yeah, so I want to I talk a little bit about um, more on you, Scott, um, purely for the fact that you are one of our mentors on our platform and we do offer that program um, to all of our candidates, uh, purely for the fact that a lot of people just don't know um, what the decision they're going to make is when they're transitioning. Um, so to have someone that's been through that experience and, and sort of be able to gauge and talk to them about that is really important. Uh, so I just want to talk to you guys. Did you guys have somebody offering you support through your transition or was it something you guys just tackled yourself? So um, from, from my side, 
Um, I think we had a three-day three day course that they gave us after 18 years of service. They gave us a three-day course, including, I remember them uh, getting us to cut up bits of paper and, um, and write something on it to make it look like a business card. And that was like one of the things <laughs> they taught us is uh, you know, networking. You know, oh, geez. Um, but no, I, I didn't have anyone. Uh, I mean, and, and I made it worse for myself because once I decided, right, that's it, I'm, I'm out, um, I left um, the nation. So two weeks after I retired, I was living in Melbourne. So um, I, I had no one. You know, it was, um, I was making up as I went along. About five weeks later, we moved up to Sydney and, um, and there was a, a group of, of guys here, um, bootnecks in business, and Royal Marine Commandos are called bootnecks. And, um, and it was just a you know, gathering of like-minded souls. And I remember there, uh, a guy called Jim Lefever, who's um, a senior guy in, in DXC, he, uh, he said to me, um, what industry do you want to be in? Going, Why do I have to pick an industry? Surely it's any of them. <laughs> you know, leadership is agnostic. It doesn't matter. I know? can do anything I yeah, put my mind to. You know, whatever you want. So um, I found that really quite interesting that... Um, someone who had his experience, you know, 20 years out, was, um, was, was saying to me I had to choose an industry, you know, um, when I just thought, well, I believed at the time what I was going to do is work with anyone and, and show them how to lead. Uh, so I, I found that, that mentorship quite challenging. I think now looking back, I get where he was coming from and I, I'm, I'm, my advice would be, you know, maybe pick a sector and, and some sort of a a ballpark industry that you're you're interested in, um, and get known in that in that um, in that arena, and you can expand when you're in there. You know, you can you can start you know uh, spreading your wings once you're in, but you need to get in. Yeah. So I think finding something, you know, whatever that might be, um, whilst you're still trying to find yourself, because I think that that was one thing for me is that I had no idea what I was going to do when I left. Yeah. I was just making everything up. I just wanted to see what I could do mm. because my whole you know military career had been to disprove others, not about proving myself. Just so, on that, sorry, yeah. a lot of guys. Um, as sort of in that mindset and because they don't know what they're going to do, they just decide to stay in. It's not necessarily like a um, decision of I'm definitely getting out and then I'll figure it out. Like it's all like I don't know what I want to do but I haven't done any networking for it so I'll just stay in. Were you ever like that or was 100% you were out? Well, I'll figure it I, out. I would like to say I was 100% out but I mean I, I decided, I remember actually where I decided and when I decided and it was, um, it was in February of 2003 just before we went into Iraq and I was in a tent in Kuwait, uh, just outside Kuwait City. And I just went, these two Muppets, you know, Bush and, and Blair, are deciding the fate of whether I get to see my daughter again or not. And I just went, I, I think it's time for me to go. Um, so I, I want to say, oh, yeah, so there, no, I signed my papers and that was me. It was another six years before I left, yep. you know, because they kept handing me really cool jobs, you know. I, I, started, <laughs> I started working overseas. I was in, in Eastern Europe working with 26 nations of the former USSR. Um, transitioning them from conscript to professional armies and militaries so that they could fit some of the criteria to work um, or, or join the EU, uh, UN and NATO. Uh, and that was fantastic. And then from there went into procurement, which I thought I was going to hate. But then it was, it was this relationship with, with getting really good stuff, really good kit and equipment that we were woefully short of in the, in the British military for all my mates who are now in command positions mm -hmm. so um yeah I, I i did hang around a little bit but once you know once i actually you know wrote my uh, my letter it was um you know i had to do a year return of service and uh, and then i was out right and what about you tom like support wise did you have a mentor did you speak to people was the decision already made for you yeah so the decision wasn't made at all right so i 
if I, if I frame it up, um, I, I'd been in for 12 years when I started thinking about it. I was working in a really good job in Melbourne. I was due for promotion. And as an infantry officer, I was, a, I was about to go back and, and take a, a rifle company, which is sort of the next really good job that you're going to do. And I was, quite, I was relatively competitive in my cohort of classmates and I was getting offered some really good jobs. It's funny that you brought that up. Scotty, because it's a good way of retaining people, right? They just keep giving you really good things. So I was getting offered all these things and I had actually some really, really good support in the military. Some Mm -hmm. really senior officers that were like friends or, you know, mentors of mine that have been there for the years and I'd go and talk to them about this. But what I started to find was they were very supportive of what I wanted to do, but they didn't have context about the civilian side of things. So they're very supportive of, hey, we can do whatever you like to help you stay. What do you need? Do you need some time off? Do you need, you know, a holiday? Um, you know, this posting will be here if you want to take a year away. And very supportive from that perspective and gave me some good advice from the military side. But then I was like, I didn't have any advice on the outside. So I had nothing to help me make the decision about, well, what I should do. And I remember finally making the decision to go and sort of make the jump. And I took a year leave without pay. But the decision I made was, was completely wrong. So I went, well, what are the things I really like doing? Well, so, you know, I really like rock climbing and roping. I really like being on the out, in the outdoors. I really like small teamwork and being able to, you know, have, have a good, solid, hard day's work. So I jumped out into an arborist company in Canberra and worked there for three months. But it wasn't until I spoke with the founder of this company, Tom, and he acted like that mentor, and I didn't know him in the military. So when I spoke to him and I said, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is what I like doing, he's like, oh, I know who you are. You're not doing the right thing. You should be doing these things for these reasons and laid it all out. And that was the first time someone who actually knew anything about industry had said something to me about wh- where you'd fit. And then you start to join the dots. And I remember, I remember talking to you about this um, previously and, and you absolutely loved that job that you got when you came out because it, it was everything that you wanted to do, right? Like there was a good job for you, but you felt like there was more for you. You felt like you could move into something a little bit more challenging. Is that, is that something? Uh, 100%. Right? Like that's, you know, one day I'll go back and I'll have a farm and I'll enjoy chopping trees down or pruning trees. Like it was good fun. It was good stuff, but... Uh, and, and the guys that were there were great. Like it was good Australian hard work every day and it was actually kind of satisfying, mm-hmm. particularly coming off the back of a pretty hectic, you know, few years in the military. Um, but then, yeah, you know, you start to have conversations about what else is out there, how else you can contribute. And I started to realign my purpose because I really liked contributing in the military. And then I, I realized that I could contribute to Australia more on the outside and I just needed someone to, as you say, you know, mentor you and talk about that sort of stuff. Yeah, so you guys would agree that having a mentor sort of through that transition period is, is so important. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, and I think it's, it's, it's one of the things that drew me to, uh, to you guys, you know. Um, it, it was the first gathering of people, of like-minded souls who, who were going, actually, we're going to try and pe- make sure that people can transition. I mean, I mentioned bootnecks in business. My my understanding of that when I joined uh, those guys was the same thing. We were going to offer some some counsel and guidance and, and help to help people transition. But most of the people in it are still serving. Um, so there's only a few people like like myself that aren't. Um, I go back to your point about when you left and and you want you you, you knew you knew what you wanted. I felt that what I did as well. But what I was doing is I was recreating the military. Go, mm. Well, if I'm recreating that, why don't I just stay? You know, so, um, I mean, I, I set up my own business straight away, uh, which was doing leadership development and team building for corporates. Um, and I had a, a subdivision of that, which was elite strength and conditioning coaching. And I ended up doing a, um, a few gigs for a few different corporates. And, um, and I sort of stood there going, what do I know about working in the corporate world? But, yeah, I'm talking to a C-suite executive here mm. about how to lead their own company. So I thought, well, I better go and get a job. But then I did a team building day for the Swans and then ended up being a strength coach for them. And it was just recreating, you know, being in the military. You're all around blokes. It's a brotherhood, you know, hard work. Um, and, and it was fantastic. But it wasn't 
actually utilising all the skills that I thought I could bring to bear um, in, in the civilian world. Did it just seem like an easy transition for you because it sort of tied into what you were doing? I know it was a different crowd of people, but I know we spoke about, um, you know, we met up for a coffee and we had a chat about it being your passion and now you do it for free because you realised that it was something you wanted to do on the side, not as your full-time role, but at the time... It was just an easy transition for you to move into something you're familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's been a hobby of mine. You know, I got my mum got me doing Olympic lifting when I was ten, and uh, you know, I've, I've done it ever since. And so it's it's just a hobby. And when I started having to earn money doing it, um, I lost my hobby. Yeah. Um, I lost that passion. I lost that you know, get out and and clear my mind. You know, that, that I always get from when I go to the gym. So, yeah, I, I I learned quite quickly that you know, getting money for it wasn't the way ahead. I needed to do something else. Um, and, and come back to the, the early point, you know, I, I, I thought I could do the leadership stuff and that's what I was trying to do. And then I just thought I was a, I was a, um, I was a pretender, you know, stood in front of all these corporates going, yeah, this is how you should run a business, blah, blah, blah. No, mm. go and get a job. And then when I got, you know, corporate roles, I was going, yeah, it was exactly like I thought it was going to be. Um, so I've come full circle, as I said to you when we had coffee, you know, I've come full circle. I am. Um, I'm now doing the stuff that I thought I was going to do as soon as I got to the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason it's taken that long, um, as, as I said to you, you know, and, and we spoke about mental resilience and stuff like that, is, um, is that none of my experience and none of my qualifications were viewed as anything worthwhile by Australia. Mm-hmm. So all I was doing was prove myself for the entire time. You know, it was only up until the middle of last year where you know, some people actually said, no, we need your help. Um, and I had those people on a pedestal that mm-hmm. um, I, I stopped having to do that. You know, and everything's changed since then. That's actually a good point. Obviously, for you, it was different. You came from a completely different country, but a lot of the guys get all these qualifications that they find irrelevant in the civvy world. So um, it's definitely a challenge, I think, that people need to overcome when they're transitioning is like, I've done all this experience, but it's not recognisable. So how would you guys, what advice would you give to sort of sell those, those skills that they've learned in the military? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what you'd say, Tom, but I, I think for me, as, as I was mentioning for my, my transition, um, was the leadership thing. You know, we've all got loads and loads of leadership skills that are far greater, in my um, opinion, than anything that I've seen in the civil world so far, because it comes from a place of humility, comes from a place of really high EQ, where you, you metaphorically have your, your arm around the, the person next year to help them out, genuinely help them out. And in the corporate Australia that I've seen, there's not a great deal of that. Mm. It's, um, it's dog eat dog. It's a different game played by different rules. And I think that um, what I would suggest to, to people leaving is, is just be really aware of that. Be cognizant that you're no longer playing that game by those rules. There's lots of things that you've learned from the military that, yep, you can use them in, in Civvy Street, but um, they're, they're playing a different game. Yep. And if you think you can play by your old rules... And, and your old standards and everything else, you're going to come unstuck. That, that is it. You will come unstuck, not them. You can't change the machine. How do you feel about that, Tom? Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on. Like, it's a different world, but you've faced those problems before as a veteran. It's just like you're going on a new training or deployment overseas. It's a new battle space or region that you've got to go into. Corporate is the same thing. You've just got to take some time to figure it out. Um, interestingly, though, I'll tie these two points together, right? So we always have people coming to us asking about transferability of skills. I have my classmates that are still serving who text me on LinkedIn and say, hey, where can I get good RPL? Mm. And it's, you're asking the wrong question, right? Like you, most of the time, if you're in the job hunting space, depending on your type of work, so if we remove things like engineering and medical and some of the real technical trades where you need to have 
formal qualifications because it's risk-based. Um, for most people in the workforce, you don't need the bit of paper, but you need to be able to describe your skills. That's the real question you're asking is, what language do I use to describe what I did so in the military? So selling yourself. Yeah, it's selling yourself in the right way. So I can tell you what I did as an infantry officer and how good all those skills are, but industry won't understand that. But you don't know how to do that because mm-hmm. you don't know the, the language to use. And mm-hmm. that's where the mentor comes in. Mm-hmm. And this is what I find uh, flabbergasting is that, you know, right now, you know, Jazz, we have 700-odd mentors on our program mm-hmm. and we can't get them... We can't get the veterans and the mentors to engage. Yeah, they're with, not reaching out. They're not, they're not taking this industry experience and like really utilising yeah, it. Yeah, but I think maybe it's partly they don't realise, point one, that you need to have it. And I guess mm-hmm. that's why we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. But second of all is like you don't know what to ask that mentor. So one of the things you can ask that mentor is go, hey, I'm starting to look for work in this industry. This is what I did in the military. You know that because you were in the military. Um, how do I describe that mm-hmm. in job interviews or coffee meetings or you know those sorts of networking activities? How do I describe to people that I'm an ultimate problem solver? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't done. I haven't worked in agile project management before, but I've delivered these five different things over here, which was basically project management. So how do I describe that? They're the things yep. you need to work with mentors on. Yeah, it's very true, and and it's it's not even the the veterans that we have on the platform as mentors. We have people that have been. Fifty years, twenty years, thirty years experience in the CV world that can offer that advice as well. Absolutely. And you know, you speak to them like even myself. I'm not military, and when I speak with people, if they start speaking about stuff I don't know, I'll tell them because that's what exactly HR managers are looking for too. They're looking for that language. Yeah, and and I think I think further to to, to both points is that um, you know the CV world doesn't care what rank you were. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't yeah. know whether a corporal is higher than a colonel or vice versa. Yeah. You know, and they don't mind. They don't care. They don't want to know. Um, and and I and I think that um, you know the, the skill set, as you're saying, for the guys transitioning, is um, is the transferability, and it's hard. It's hard when you're in to know what that is, um, and that's when you do need to have a sit down with someone and, and have a chat. I mean, it, it's all well and good getting people who are you know signalers into cyber, but have they got other skills that actually they probably want to um, utilise more and, and go a different path? You know, mm-hmm. Is one of the reasons they're leaving is they don't want to be in the signals world anymore. They want to try something else. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. point. And one of the one of the big transferable skills, as I keep saying, is this leadership thing. But it's really hard to make a civvy understand the sort of leadership you bring because they already have a mindset that you're a stereotype. They've it's a different a, world. It's a completely different world. To well, they, you, know, you know, they've seen a few movies and they think, oh well, you know, it's all dictatorial, autocratic. You know, blah blah. blah. In my <laughs> 18 years, I got one order. Now, bearing in mind, I started as what you'd know as a private. You know, I started as a marine, and 18 years later, I popped out the other end as a major. So I've done quite a spectrum, and I had one order, and that order was to make a cup of coffee. And I said no. <laughs> John Fitzsimmons, he, we're in Belfast, and he said, you know, make us a cup of coffee. I went, um, no, I'm not doing that. He said, what? I said, well, you're setting me up for failure. I don't drink tea and coffee, so I'm going to make a bad one, and then you're going to, you know, and everyone's having a bad day. Aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it is that transferability. You know, it, it's 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 knowing. When you say you're a leader, um, what that actually means, and painting the right picture in the civvy's mind that this is not about autocratic stuff. I mean, like I said, when I was when I was in command, um, it would be get your your team around you and say, okay, they have got this idea to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? And you get the, all the ideas together, and you go, okay, I have a bit of that, bit of that, bit of that, and you 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 collaborate and you you come up with a plan, your course of action, you know, and come back to your point, you know, then you're the project manager ostensibly, you know, the leader of the gang, mm-hmm. um, and off you go and you and you execute on that on that uh, on that plan, um, and I and I think getting the the civvies to understand that that's how you do it, it's that yep. collaboration and it's 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 genuine leadership from a, a a high EQ emotional intelligence perspective, 
where you're, you're looking out for each other. I mean, that was one of the things that you know, both our militaries do, is, um, is you, you know, you're looking out for the guy to the left and right of you. You know, so when you're going into battle, you're going, well, I've already got you know, at least you know, th- uh, three pairs of eyes that are looking out for mm. me, so happy days. You know? that, that mentality isn't the same in, in the, uh, the civvy world, and that's why we, when we both left, we're looking for something that's pretty similar, because you like that brotherhood, you mm-hmm. like that security. You, know, you like working for each other, so you've got to find your tribe. Yeah. Just, uh, we're just talking about, I feel, some challenges that you're going to face in transition. It was one of the points I wanted to go over today is what challenges were overcome from you guys. So if you could go back to that time of transition, what were the main challenges you guys faced? Was there decisions of, uh, no, I'm going to probably stay in just because you were so unsure? We touched on the mental side of things, but what actual challenges did you guys face? Did you go through a low point and, and feel like you had to be resilient with your mindset? Was there anything in particular that stands out for you guys? Yeah, nine years. <laughs> that stands out. Like I said, it, it was... It was finding my my way to do the stuff that I believed I could do as soon as I left yeah um and the challenges that I was faced is I'm coming to somebody else's nation playing by their rules uh in the civvy world you know so there are three new things there for me mm-hmm. um with no security of, of friends um comrades or anything like that around me um and I had to I had to make up as I went along mm-hmm. but as I said I think the challenge that I had was that I had to prove myself yeah, to do all those qualifications again, um, you know, earn my stripes again, and it was a huge challenge, you know, um, because I'd left a, a reasonably, um, you know, high rank, and and I had this headspace of going, well, don't you know who I am, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. No, they don't, and they don't care, you know. <laughs> so uh, that that was a challenge to overcome, um, which sounds a little bit up yourself, but you, I think you know when you when you've been in that that sort of rank and that position for as long as I had. It is really quite um, unsettling when mm-hmm. all of a sudden you you no longer have hundreds of people that are under your charge. Did it take you? Did it take you a little bit to realise that as well? It, it didn't. It didn't. I mean, I knew what I was getting into in terms of right. It's going to be completely different. I just didn't. Re- I didn't recognise just how different it was going to be. Mm. Uh, and that I think was the big aha moment for me. And it, and it took me some time. Um, and it, t- it took me probably longer than you know Australian guys and girls leaving mm-hmm. would take because you know they they brought up here they understand the system you know i i had no idea um because i i joined really i was 18 when i joined so i'd just done education and then that i hadn't worked mm-hmm. so um you know as soon as i left i was here i was going right hang on different rules yeah, yeah. i think uh, i mean i couldn't agree more right so one of the things i don't know if i found it challenging but i could see how people would find it challenging you think about what i left similar to scotty i jumped out of a a really good job in melbourne corporate running a quite large team for defense force recruiting um and in a month month later i'm throwing on my fluor orange to go work with eight guys on the ground as an arborist company Mm -hmm. so you go from being sort of let's say an expert in your field to not knowing anything yeah but at the same age as all the other people that are there and they've been doing that for the last 15 and 20 years right that would be so you know all this stuff and even when you're doing day-to-day tasks you probably know that you might be able to do it better or you've got a better idea as to how to do it, but that's not your place because mm-hmm. you're you're the new guy. You're the new guy. So what what's challenging for people is, are you can you be humble enough to just do the work and learn and show them over time and build credibility through your action, as opposed to bringing all of this, um, you know, I don't even know the right word to describe it, all of this stuff from the past that you think is really important like you said, and they don't really value that. They don't know that. They don't have any context about that. So I think, you know, you've got to be comfortable that you might be going back to square one in some cases. Not all jobs. Some jobs you'll seamlessly transfer across and, you know, you're a, 
you jump in to be a consultant or an engineer and that's what you've been doing for the last 10 years in the military, it's a different story. But you think about if you were going to transition into something completely different, how you would handle it mm-hmm. and that will prepare you for things that aren't so different. Just I, I think, I'm sorry, I think no. you know, an expansion of that, from my side anyway, is, um, is around the whole PTSD thing. You know, there, there are many of us that have it um, and there are different forms of it. And I think one of the, one of the forms, certainly my side anyway, um, was just trying to, uh, to understand how I, f- how I would fit in. You know, you hear stories of people who have had, um, you know, a reasonable uh, experience in the, in the military, been there for a few years, had some uh, leadership behind them, you know, got some rank or whatever, and then they leave and they go, now what? And they end up doing that for so long that they end up, they just need a job to get some money. Mm. And they go and become a lorry driver. And you just go, wow, you know, how demoralizing is that? And I think that that's, that's where people start looking internally to go, oh, what the hell's going on? What's happening with me? Why am I here? What, you know, why am I not you know, doing a job where I can utilize the skills and experience that I've had in the past? And I'm here sat driving a lorry. You know, it, it's, it's, that, that's why I'm really keen to make sure that people are looked out for. Um, and you know, with you, with me, does a really good job to, to get people into you know, meaningful work and at least give them at least a, a, an exposure to what sort of work is out there. And there are other you know, organisations out there like Red Six that deal with just the PTSD side of things you know, mm-hmm. and how to deal with that mental resiliency um, and, and just know where you are in your headspace and, and has a network of people like with you, with me, that are looking out for each other, you know, that peer support network. Yeah, I think to come back to your question as well, Jazz, so I didn't spend nine years, but I probably spent 18 months trying to make the decision to leave. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, let's use a different analogy. You're, you're a semi-professional athlete and you've had that taken away from you because of injury. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you're at the top of your game as a semi-professional athlete and then one day you turn around and you're like, uh, going to go try something else. Yeah. Like it doesn't actually make sense because everything's running really well. You know, you, you've got all these opportunities, your life's in order, you're on a good paycheck whatever it might be and then all of a sudden you're like but something's not right and I want to do something else for whatever reason it takes time to make that decision so what I would say to people is spend time doing it but you've got to socialize your ideas you've got to actually just go and like tell people hey I'm thinking about getting out I'm going to do this thing like hey I'm going to be an arborist and watch people because some people are like what do you mean or they'll be like hey that sounds really exciting you've got to actually just talk about it and socialize it to become comfortable with it do you think the barrier there is fear of failure like to me my mind when you said that went straight to i don't want to lose this amazing title i have and i'm i'm, I'm fearful of a failure 100 is that what you're like is that what you were thinking is absolutely that, yeah not for a number of reasons right because you've got all the people around you that know you've been doing really well and supportive and then there's this this fear of like well Am I turning my back on you? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Am I turning my back on the support that I wanted to give to the country? Yeah. Um, because I'm not doing this forever. And people are dependent on you and relying on yeah. you for certain things. So it took one sp- particular person in the military, a senior officer, to sit me down and say, hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You've already given a lot of service. If you want to come back later, you'll come back and you'll be great. Wherever you go, you'll be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, but it took someone like that to understand from both sides and go, hey, it's okay. Someone in the right position who I was surprised would say that to me. I thought it would be they'd be trying to retain me, but to say, hey, no, it's like it's fine. Don't and get, they said, don't get caught up on loyalty. You've been loyal for the last thirteen years, yeah, and we we respect that. Um, lo- you know, don't get caught up on loyalty. Go and be brilliant for Australia somewhere else. Was it after that advice that you were like, okay, hundred percent, straight after that advice, I was like, yep, we're on. What are the steps for me to go? Mm-hmm. 
And exactly the same point came uh, came to me, and it was actually by a, an American um, army officer when I was leaving, uh, and he said, you know, just be be wary of mispla- misplaced loyalty. Yeah. You know, because you get so hooked up into the the whole game that you've been playing and looking out for each other, looking out for the country, blah blah blah, that you uh, you go, oh, I must I must keep working really really hard for them. Well, as soon as your back's turned, they're going to point fingers your way, going, oh, it's his fault anyway, you know, or something similar. So, don't you know? I, I did you know my 18 years, and I think, well, I've, I've probably served the country well enough. Um, now it's about looking out after myself, and I think that you know looking back was probably sage advice about how to see the transition. Is it's no longer about the brotherhood. It's about you. And that's Civvy Street. It's, it's about you. You've got to look out for yourself. You might be lucky and find a company like you guys are in where you actually look out for each other and, and um, you know, mentor each other and, and trying to uh, ensure that people excel, you know, give you an opportunity to be a, 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 you know, a podcaster girl or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, it's about looking out for each other. And it's yeah. hard to find those sorts of, you know, families, mm-hmm. uh, in inverted commas, you know, that you can, you can find out there and become part of. Um, but it goes back to what we were saying is that, you know, if you're going to leave, leave knowing that you're not going to find that. And then if you do stumble across it, then great, happy days. But that shouldn't be, you know, your, your catalyst for leaving um, or your expectation that you're going to get when you get out. Just on that, there was two points I wanted to bring up with you after, like, I had a chat with you. The first one, just after you said that, uh, reminded me was you wanted to leave knowing you're in a good situation? Yeah, 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 definitely. Is that, would you agree, something that's really important, leave whilst it's yeah, whilst I mean, it's still a good situation? I, I don't know what the return of service is for you guys, but for us it was a year. And, and the last thing I wanted to do was have a miserable year um, when I'm trying to transition into something where I need to be happy, need to be upbeat, need to be confident in self, because you're, you're going to sell yourself to someone, a recruiter, an employer, whatever. So, um, you know, and, and I also wanted to leave... Um, you know, in that in that headspace where I've left something I really like, mm-hmm. I really loved. Um, so I find it really hard now because of that, I think, or partly because of that, to look back and think of any negatives. Yeah. It was all brilliant. I yeah. loved it. I, I really did love it. Um, and if, if that's if that's me lying to myself, I don't care. I'm, I'm in a happy headspace <laughs> about that, you know? I just think that's a really cool and important point. You don't want to leave on a bad note and then have a sour flavour in your mouth. No, Come definitely on. not. Definitely not. And I think, I think more so um, if you're not going to do what I did, you know, set up my own company, if, you're gonna, if you know you're going to go into the corporate world, then you need to be going in there feeling positive, upbeat, and, mm-hmm. and be able to sell yourself on a positive uh, footing. Uh, and if you've got any of that negativity of return of service going, oh, woe with me, woe with me, and this is crap and blah, 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 then that's going to come out in spades. Whether it comes out of your mouth, whether it comes out in your body language, you know, it will definitely come out. Yeah, and I think that term transition means a lot more than you just changing jobs. Mm-hmm. You actually have to transition your framing, what your life looks like, what the next part of your life is going to look like, how you think about the world. You need, you need to transition that because yep. it's very, very different. Um, and I think you actually need to sit down or if you've got a partner, you need to talk about um, what that actually means for your life. So you've got to think about, it wasn't just that I left the military and got a new job. I redefined my whole life because mm-hmm. you lived by this set of um, this set of values and this these goals that you had to you know to go through the military and you're chasing all these things. Mm-hmm. That whole thing is gone now, and you've got to re- rebuild that um, in the sort of civilian sector, and it's different. But you need to talk to people about that. Mm-hmm. And um, just just touching on that, you left on a positive mindset. A year in, were you like, "What have I done? <laughs> Why did I make this decision?" 
Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, basically. Um, not for probably the, the obvious reasons. I mean, my, like I said before, mine was because all these qualifications that I had, um, you know, in the strength and conditioning world as well as anything else, I had to do all again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really rude awakening. I mean, you know, use that as an example, just the strength and conditioning stuff. I had all sorts of qualifications because I've been doing it for, geez, what was that, 30-something years at the time. And, um, and there were five, five providers of the qualification that I needed, which was the, was it, I don't even remember what it's called now, but you know, to become a PT, you've got to have these quals right. And there were five providers. One of them was the um, Institute of Fitness mm-hmm. uh, and then four others. And uh, the Institute of Fitness said, right, we need six and a half grand for that. I was like, what? With all that, the years that I I've already done, have all this yeah, experience. You know, I've, got, I've got all these coaching certificates. Can't you RPL it? You mentioned it earlier. No, no, you've got to do it again. Like, okay, and then they've got to register with Fitness Australia and pay well, a yeah, yearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I went to the, the last provider and they said, oh, uh, 1100. Like, okay, so there was no standardization, which I felt quite interesting. Um, so I was doing this, this course with these guys and. Um, and during the course, so I hadn't finished the course, the Institute of Fitness said, um, could you come and run our course? I went, hang on, <laughs> you won't give me the quals. You're now expecting me to run this course yeah. for you. I don't see how that's... Give me the qualification first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it just, so so the, 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 the headspace that I was in was the corruption of it all. You know, how, how odd the civvy world was that, hang on, I've got all these pieces of paper and they're from reputable uh, organisations back in the UK but you're not willing to uh, recognise them until you want to get something from it. Mm-hmm. You know, so they needed my experience, but they also wanted my money. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Did you do that, Tom? Did you go back on the computer and go, how do I re-enlist at any point? No, I didn't. Um, from, from the day that I started, even when I was doing the Arborist stuff, but from the day that I started with this company, I, I never looked back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I honestly believe that the only reason that is is because I'm still connected you're that so, community, right? Yeah, you're still so amazing at all. Yeah, and so it's one part being connected to the community, um, but another part feeling like I'm still contributing to a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. And people people talk about that, but I genuinely feel like we do good things mm-hmm. uh, and I've always wanted to do that, so it, it makes perfect sense. But I completely understand how people, if they've jumped out suddenly or they didn't have a plan or they didn't do the stuff that we're talking about, mm-hmm. get out, it doesn't work. So you want to go back, right? It's like a security blanket. Absolutely. But it's just, you know, you, you haven't realigned your purpose. And yeah. it's not a bad thing. Like I think it's the a bad guys thing genuinely, I think some of them get out and they really just miss their job and they and they yeah, yeah. listen. And it's not a bad thing at all. Like if you want to go back in and that's your journey you want to take, then go for it. And there is stuff that I I miss from the military. Like I miss having, you know, that community around on a weekend when you live in an army town and mm-hmm. you know all the families and you can go do stuff together. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I said, I, when you said, you, you know, I changed my entire life. That's what I mean. Like you, mm-hmm. you left a military community. I moved to Sydney. You know, you live by yourself. You sort of, you remove yourself from a lot of that stuff and you've got to be prepared for what that does to you and how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to touch on, I'm not sure if it was a similar situation for you, Tom, but Scott, you said to me the last job that they put you into before you transition, you thought you were going to absolutely hate and you did not want to do it. Yeah. And it ended up being the best job you ever did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, Is that just a mindset because it's your last one? So you're sort of like... <laughs> well, I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, uh, at the time, even then, I didn't know that, that was going to be my last one, you know, because they, they kept handing me these cool jobs. But no, so uh, I don't know, again, how, how your military works, but um, as I said to you, the, um, the way that it works for us is that they, they find your weak areas and so they knew I was good at ops knew I was good at training but um, my weakness was desk job you know, you know being behind a computer and, and having to actually use 
my uh, my IQ um, to to formalise you know documents and, and 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 create stuff. And so they gave me this procurement job, and I went to see. I was out in the Czech Republic at the time, and I went to see my um, my half colonel. I went. I'm not doing this. This is going to suck. And he went, you get about two or three goes to say no in your career. Um, and I don't think this is one of them. Uh, okay. So I went in somewhat kicking and screaming. And, um, and three years later, I popped out going, that was bloody awesome. <laughs> it was fantastic. And I learned a whole host of skills. Um, that you now use in your job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it, was, it, it was really interesting. I mean, just how to negotiate you know, negotiate with big business, you know, industry that was trying to um, sell kit and equipment to, to the military, all, all three services, you know, um, and be the interface. It, it, was, it was fantastic. It was really good. And Tom, you were in recruiting for your last job, is that correct? Yeah, so I kind of achieved what Scotty's talking about by accident by deliberately planning it. So I, I wanted to be in control of the transition. So before I moved down there, I was thinking about getting out of the military. I was in Townsville. I'd started my own business. I thought I'd want to go and keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, if I go to recruiting, it's a really good job. It's in a town that I like, Melbourne. It's the first time I would have ever worked in an actual corporate environment. Mm-hmm. And so in recruiting, right, it's 50% uniform military and 50% civilian outplacement recruitment. So it was this sort of mixed environment. People talk about a soft landing. I wouldn't say it's a soft landing, but it gave me this exposure to the other side of the world, like mm-hmm. just a little bit of a peek through the curtains to see what it's like on the corporate side. And I knew that it was still good enough that if I did well, I could take whatever job I could be competitive for the next job. Right. But I'd get a bit of perspective about what the other side was. And then going to that transition, then I found the point where I'm like, yeah, I want to give this a go and mm-hmm. then made the jump. So I kind of lined it up that way and was in control of it. But I wouldn't say um, it, was, it, was, it was arguably one of the best jobs I had in the military. Yeah. yeah. And then you, you would have learned industry, right? You would have learned civil industry. Yeah. Um, Another important one I wanted to go over and why I brought up your story was we face that every day dealing with people and it goes back to that comfort zone transitioning into something they know that's familiar. So um, what sort of advice would you give these guys about just taking that risk? Because for you, it ended up being an amazing job that's now set your business up. So what would you tell these guys that say we, we say to them, you're a sales guy. They've never done sales before, but they've got that wrote, uh, sorry, right personality for it. But they're just so opposed to it. What would you, how would you say to them, give it a crack. Yeah, I, I absolutely would say that. I mean, um, you know, I think that, you know, like, like we were mentioned right at the beginning where, um, you know, you're going through your schooling and you have to pick these, you know, these subjects and stuff and you don't know, you know, your, your backside from your elbow. Um, it's the same sort of thing when you're transitioning, unless you're smart like Tom and, and, he, and he already had a plan in place. But I think just go and have a go at stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if, yeah. if people, especially people who have, have come from your background, mm-hmm. who are now civvies that know what it's like out there, who are saying, actually, I know you well enough to give you this advice, mm-hmm. you might want to have a go at this, well, take them up on it and, and go and have a go. It was funny, actually, you say sales because someone said, oh, you should go into sales. And it's, it's a really sort of negative connotation to that back in the UK. I don't know what it's like here. And I was going, I'm never going to be a salesperson. No way, not, not it's doing a, that. It's definitely a mis- um, It's the same here, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But I, I, yeah, so to your point, I think, yeah, absolutely. Go and have a go at these things unless you're smart and you've already got a plan. Um, just go and have a go because what's the worst can happen? What you're going to do is you're going to build all these different uh, um, sort of skill sets and, mm. and have this broader experience. Yeah, I would say it actually should be part of your plan because you just, you don't know things, right? Sales is a great example. Same for me. So Tom, you know, Tom was like, you should be in sales. 
I'm like, why would I want to be in sales? Mm. And he goes, well, think about what you've been doing for the last 10 years. You've been convincing all of your soldiers um, to try and do the things that you need them to do and you've been trying to convince all of your seniors to give you the money and the resources to do those things. Like that is all sales is. You're not selling a washing machine. You're, uh, you're influencing people and selling a value proposition to them mm-hmm. and trying to solve their problems. So sales is a really good example of, well, you actually don't know anything about sales, so don't tell me you don't want to do it or you won't be good at it. Like maybe trust me and go and speak to some people that are in sales and find out. Just give it a go. I mean, I, you can't just sort of like jump into the job and give it a go necessarily. Mm-hmm. That's not going to suit your lifestyle from a you know security perspective, but you should go and research it and find out about it and talk to people. Yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess the outcome there is don't put up a wall, don't be so opposed, yeah, be absolutely. open-minded about it because absolutely. there's a lot of guys within our internal company and we, this is what we specialise in, right, is, is putting people through testing, figuring out what they're good at. It's... You talk to, you know, most of the employees in here and they're all doing something out of military they thought they'd never do. Adam Renfrey, good example. The first time I met him, he told me a story about how he pretty much told him to get stuff when they said he should be a sales guy, but he's, he suits, he's suitable for it, right? So you speak to any of the guys here, it's that similar sort of story. Put up a wall, didn't want to do it, gave it a go and actually really love it now. So I think... Um, and they're really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's, it's so important that you actually are open-minded about sort of decisions when you're transitioning. Like, uh, Yeah. Um, last thing, let's go back to your mindset on transition. What advice would you give yourself knowing the thoughts you were going through then uh, after your experience you've had till now? Understand that the journey never ends. Mm-hmm. And so um, be, be open to the fact that it's just going to be ups and downs and you're just going to be on this roller coaster forever. There's no, there's no destination. Mm-hmm. So don't plan that there's going to be one because what happens when you get there? Well, you're going to go, now what am I going to do? So the journey never ends. So it's your, your resiliency to it, you know, your ability to be cheerful throughout it um, and, um, and pick up things, you know, learnings uh, along the way uh, that you can then utilise either for, you know, the betterment of yourself or preferably the betterment of other people as well. Yeah, doing? I would say it's, it's scary and it's ambiguous and you, it's unknown, but that's okay. The military has given you the skills to deal with that. You need to socialise your ideas and talk to people about what you're thinking to see their reactions and you need to try and get as much perspective as possible, as much data and information as possible about the thing that you don't know, which is the civilian side of things, um, to help you make the right decision. All right, and last bit of advice on finding a mentor. How do you find them? What do you use them for? How are they going to help you? I would say if you're on our platform, transitioning there are mentors there talk to our team about matching to the right one if you haven't figured out how to do it through the tech and then reach out and do it and engage with them just with an initial question that doesn't have to be this big plan don't get caught up in the fact that if you feel awkward about it i would say hey i'm such and such i'm thinking about getting out of the military i'd love to learn sales it whatever it is can we catch up for a coffee to talk about it mm-hmm. and just do that uh, and just do do it once you'll find that it's easy you'll remove the barrier and then just open up the door and I think, I mean, I, I can't say, you know, how you go and find one. I mean, that's literally your job. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think being one is, my advice is, is don't just go and seek out the advice of one person. Mm. Speak to a few, you know, and find, you know, that character or that person that seems to give you the, uh, the, the most sage advice. Um, but actually it might be a combination of different people that gives you, you know, the, the advice you actually need. So, so do that. And I think also, you know, find out what, what advice you're, you're trying to seek. Is it what job I want to do and, and stuff like that? Or is it I need help with PTSD or something like that? You know, and go and find the right place. 
Yeah. You know, um, I mean, here definitely is the right place for transitioning uh, and finding a job. I think, like Red Six, is right. If you've got something going on in your mind, go and speak to them. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they're the right people for that. Mm-hmm. And um, just on that, you said, you know, reach out to a couple. I think that's so important, especially if you're unsure of those sort of career pathways to take. If you want to pursue sales, find someone who's got that industry experience. You're not going to speak to a project manager and know that they're good in sales. You know what I mean? So reaching out to various and different career pathways is only going to help you in your journey. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think that's part of the journey is, is you know, get uh, other people's perspective of the world. You know, don't just rely on, um, you know, a single source. Um, and, and, you know, there's some great mentors out there that have had no military experience, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean... I think this is a great start point. It definitely is, and, and that's why I'm still aligned to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't, don't be closed off to the fact that you can probably get some sage advice from, from other sources as well. All right, great. Thanks, guys. So, Scott, um, you're a mentor on our platform, so you're happy to have a chat with some people if Absolutely. they want to reach out with some yeah, questions. Definitely. Jump on your LinkedIn, send you a message. Please Same do. with you, Tom. You're always open to some questions. And always. It's only going to help our business, right, how we make it better for everyone. Yeah, always happy to help. By veteran, for veteran. That's it, yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys, for joining me, and um, hopefully we get some good feedback from it. Good job, Jess. Thank you.